So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we look at the blueprint for our life that Jesus himself gave us in this great uh, uh, sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of a summary of uh, what it looks like um, to live a life that leads to strength and joy and the life that God has for us. And so we've been looking at this and um, we've been looking at these principles to build our life on, uh, these principles on how to build our life. We've looked at humility. Uh, we've looked at passion. Um, we've looked at righteousness. Uh, we've looked at love, um, uh, building ourselves on it. And then last week we looked at building our life on the right motives, that it is our motive that is important, not just what we do, but why we do it. Are we doing it to receive the praise of others? Are we doing it to please ourselves? Are we um, making decisions based on what we want or what other people want or how it affects um, uh, what other people think about us? And we looked at that last week that we need to begin to look at our motives in a way that we live our life for one purpose and one purpose only, that, that God is our audience and that everything we do, our motive is to please the Lord. And when we begin to seek God, when we begin to uh, be aware, we talked about this last week, be aware of his presence, that he is watching over us, uh, not to condemn us, not waiting for us to mess up just so he can pound us in the head, but that he is watching over us uh, as a loving uh, father. Um, that when we fail, he's right there to pick us up, uh, that he is looking to see us succeed. And so he is encouraging um, us. And as we live with this awareness, then everything we do uh, is to uh, follow him and to please him because we know that he will reward us. Um, his reward uh, is the reward that is worth seeking. It is better than the reward of friends. It is better than the reward of pleasure in this world. Um, those rewards are quickly spent and gone, but yet God's reward is eternal and it is deep and it is fulfilling. And so we look at uh, that motive. Now within that uh, verse of scripture that we read, we read what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to go back and read a portion of the scripture that we read Last week, so we're going to go right back into the middle of this and um, uh, pick up in verse five. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, he says this, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners um, of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place, and your father sees, in the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our father, 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now I want you to skip over to chapter 7. And we're going to pick up in verse 7. And this goes right along with the same teaching that Jesus is talking about. And it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent how to give good gifts to your children how much more is in heaven give good things to those who ask him therefore whatever you want men to do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets so this is the word of the lord so jesus in the middle of this teaching on motives brings up this how to pray because this focus is that as we develop our motives um, and, and as he has moved us away from looking towards men, looking towards approval, looking towards self um, pleasure, um, he brings us into this focus on prayer. Now, what is prayer? And this is where we have misinterpreted prayer. Um, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day had misinterpreted prayer. And so Jesus needed to bring us back to a deeper picture of what prayer is. Prayer is not a, a uh, request that we send up to God. It is not, as he mentioned, not even like the pagans. It is not a list of repetitions. It is not a ritual that you go through that if I say the right things, kind of like a spell almost. Uh, that if we say these things, that, that it's going to produce something. What Jesus is trying to say, and he said it throughout all these motives, our motive is to come into relationship with our Father. That is the key motive of building our life. Um, when we begin to desire to build our life in relationship, that is when we find depth of strength. That is where we find roots that go deep and hold us strong um, uh, in the midst of the heaviest winds. Uh, it is when we develop relationship that we find meaning in life. People say, I don't know what the meaning of life, and yet this is the meaning of life, relationship with our Father. That is the very core, deep meaning of life. That is why we were created, because God desired to love us. He said, let us make man in our image that we may commune with him. It was a desire to commune, to, to relate with us. So everything that we are created for and everything we are to build our life towards is to be built 
on relationship. I mean, we look to a lot of other things to build our life. We look at success. If I can obtain this level and we look at, at moving up and, and gaining certain things that make life matter. And yet what God is saying, the only thing that makes life matter, is not how much money you make. It's not how big of a house you get. It is not how many friends you have. It is not how many experiences you, you experience. It's about relationship. It is about knowing your father. The more you know the, your father, the better life. In, in fact, that's all that life matters. That when you know father, Everything else will be to his glory and to your glory. Now, he's not saying not to make money. He's not saying not to achieve great things. But he's saying that those become results of knowing God. Because you see, he says that, that when you know God, you are a new creation. Those good works. But it is only as we walk with God and know God that those works or those accomplishments even mean anything. He's what gives meaning to all the pleasures of life. And so you might say, well, what does relationship have to do with prayer? Prayer is nothing more than relationship. We need to stop and, and, and think about what prayer is. Prayer is communication. Prayer is, is the very building block of relationship. The way that we build a marriage, the way that we build a friendship is through communication. And that communication um, takes place in a lot of different ways. There's communication where sometimes you just sit down and, and you have good talks. Sometimes there's communication where you experience things together. Sometimes there's communication because you work hard to achieve something. And, and, and there is a, a building of a relationship when you have accomplished something with a partner, right? This is why people who've been in the military have such great relationships because you know what? They went through thick and thin, and it was that, that relationship with each other that happened through the, that type of sharing. They shared their life together that grew those bonds. This is what prayer is. Prayer is doing your life with God. It is coming into communication, and it's not always sitting on your knees and praying. Prayer sometimes happens within your heart as you're working. Um, uh, it is sometimes when you're driving and, 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 and singing with a song on the radio, and you're just aware of God with you, and you just share that time with God. That is prayer. So I, I'm trying to get us. We need to change our understanding of what prayer is. Um, sometimes prayer is when you are hurting and you are frustrated and you are just weeping and crying and don't know what to do. And we're saying, God, just come in this moment. And it is sometimes sharing the tragedies that prayer builds our relationship with God. So Jesus is saying this is our motive. Don't pray like the hypocrites who turn it into just a religious act that they just say things. Don't make prayer into something like the, the pagans who make it into a ritual that, that it is just this, this uh, mystic thing that we do. This is how you should pray. And that's why he gives us the Lord's Prayer. This Lord's Prayer is an outline of relationship. So let's look at it real quick um, in, in ways that maybe will change 
how we pray. Now, it's not just an outline. Now, we can use it as an outline to actually say a prayer, but it was never meant to be a ritual that you just repeat. There is nothing magical in the words, saying these words in this order. They are meant to be principles that Jesus said, this is how I want you to put this into practice. This is how I want you to live your life. So let's look at it real quick, and we're not going to spend a lot of time because I think they're pretty obvious. First of all, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you build your life and when you begin to walk in relationship, begin to treasure God. We need to begin to understand from the very beginning, I'm going to live my life in communion with my Father who is, who is glorious who is beautiful. We sing that song. He is wonderful. He is powerful. We need to begin to live in an awareness. This is what prayer is, an awareness of the treasure of who we have. We have been given a treasure in our Father. Are we aware of it? Do we live in awareness of him, of his beauty? That's prayer. Because when you just begin to say, oh, God, you are so wonderful. You have just prayed. You are living in that communion with God of acknowledging who he is, of loving him. It is a relationship of treasuring. That's the word I want you to think. What Jesus is saying, when you live your life of prayer, treasure God. Do you treasure him? Is he really something that matters that you would not want to lose him? See, a treasure, here's what I can tell if it's a treasure or not. Can you live with or without it? See, if you can live without it, it's not a treasure. We're learning that a lot of things we thought were treasures, now that we're going through everything, you know what? I can live without it. You start to weed out all those things you thought you had to have when you start to move and when you start to get rid of things. This wasn't the treasure I thought it was. I can live without it. And see, a lot of us treat God that way. When it comes down to it and when other things come up, well, I can live without that God, but I'll be back. Then that's not a treasure. A treasure is something you can't live without. Jesus says, begin to live a life of treasuring God. Hallowed be thy name. You are glorious. I'm going to honor you. And as you begin to honor God in everything you do and bring him with you because you don't want to live without him, then he becomes your treasure. The second thing is, it says, pray this way. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You see, as we begin to enter into this relationship, it is a relationship of surrender. It is a relationship of surrender. You know that any good relationship, you have to surrender. There is sacrifice is part of any relationship. If you live for yourself, you will never have a deep relationship with someone else. At some point, there has to be a surrender. In a marriage, there has to be a point. What would you like to do? Okay. I'm going to surrender. I want to do what you want to do because a true relationship um, uh, of love recognizes that, that I live for the other person and I find joy in that. Now in our relationship with God, it's even greater because you know what? His will is better than mine anyway. And I recognize that. And so I'm willing to sacrifice and surrender my will to his will. You see, it is an embracing of the purpose God, I'm going to take on your purpose, and I'm going to live for your purpose, and we're going to accomplish this together. Um, we have got to begin to build our life uh, upon that, and that means our prayer life and our communion with God is a constant 
uh, awareness. God, show me how I can follow your will. How can I do your will? And, and there's an awareness of that. There is an intentionality of that, that God, I surrender my will to your will. Not what I think is right, because there's a lot of times I can, I can begin to study things. Well, God, I kind of, as I read the Bible, I agree with this. I don't agree with that. That's not what God is saying. This is where the relationship comes, that we come into a love relationship with God, that I don't start to critique everything God says. I say, God, mold my heart. Begin to change me from the ways that I think things should do. Take away the arrogance of my pride and begin to mold it to what you say, even when I don't agree. I surrender. And, and this is a prayer of our life, um, how we live. Uh, it is uh, what motivates what we do. After that, he says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, Jesus says, begin to enter into a relationship with God where we rely on him. It is a relationship of reliance. Have we come to that place that, God, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to look to you for my joy, not to my friends. I'm going to look to you, God, for, for what I need in life, not my job. God, I need to rely on you, and I can rely on you. See, here's the great thing. In our prayers, do we truly rely on God? Is God the God that we trust? And there's two ways to trust. There's a trust where, uh, uh, God, I know that you're able to do it, so I trust in you. I put my trust in God. And then there's a trust of, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm coming to you. I choose to go to you. You see, our trust shows up in who we go to to meet our needs. And so give us this day our daily bread also brings us to this place where Jesus says, do you rely on God for what he chooses to give you? So there is a contentment. Are you willing to rely on the contentment of what God has? In other words, I don't just trust that you can do what I want you to do. I'm going to trust that what you do give me is what I needed. That's a harder trust. Because it's saying, are you willing to be content with what God gives you for this day? See, the children of Israel got tired of their daily bread. We're tired of this manna. Give us something else. Jesus says, until we are willing to trust and just be content in our daily bread. When you are content with what God has given you, when you are content with the path that God has put you on, then he can begin to take you to other areas that you long for. But until we are content and reliant on God, then he can never give us the greater things that build upon that. So are we willing in our soul and in our desires and in our, our daily meditations of life and just thinking about things, are we willing to say, God, just give me what I need today. And I'm going to be content in your choice and in your way. I'm going to rely on you. We need to begin to pray. God, help me to rely on you. God, take away my, my desire to, to wander into other areas. 
But God, I want to be content. Content. Contentment is a hard thing, but only God can give it when we rely on him. And then he says, forgive my sins as I forgive those that have sinned against me. It's a relationship of release. Jesus says we've got to build our life in a relationship with God where we begin to let go of those things that we tend to hold on to. We tend to hold on to the things that have hurt us. We tend to hold on to the things that people have said. Uh, We tend to hold on to the things that we have done. You know what? We have shame and guilt, and we just hold on to that. We beat ourselves up over our heads with it. Jesus, you need to let go of those things. Learn to live a relationship with God, a relationship of release. Let go of the things that have happened. You've got to learn to forgive others. That means releasing the hurt. But you've got to forgive yourself, too. You need to let God forgive you. That as you release what other people do, let go of your own brokenness. Because then God wants to forgive you. There has to be a release. We cannot hold on to things. Uh, So many things, we hold on to baggage that that are burying us down, and it's not God's fault. So many times we think, God, if you could just do this, and God's saying, I'm begging you, just let it go. Let it go and come to me. Let me carry those things. We need to have a, a spirit of release. God, help me to release others and help me to release even myself from those things into God's hands. The next area it says is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, it is a relationship of following. It's a relationship of following. I'm going to follow you, God. I lead me. God, I need you to lead me, and I'm going to follow. Now, what is it really goes into following is this key component. Are you willing to listen and accept it? That's big. We we say all the time, God, lead me, follow me, give me wisdom. But if it's not what we want, we're really not willing to listen. God says to lead you not into temptation – See, here's the thing. He can lead you, but it will always be into temptation if you don't listen to him. Remember, temptation is not from God. Temptation is from our heart, it says. Temptation happens when our own desires kind of overwhelm the leading of God. That happens just like any coach when a coach is trying to teach you, but you want to do it your way. Well, this would be a better way. Have you ever tried to show someone how to do it? If you'll do it this, this, and this. Well, why don't? what if I do this and then just do this? No. Do this. Well, I think it would be quicker and easier if we just did this. Okay, you go ahead, and you're going to find out. See, that's when we don't listen. We're not coachable. There are so many people that could be champions in life. There are the most athletic people that have all the skill in the world, and the reason they don't ever make it is because they're not coachable. They're not willing to listen. They're not willing to say, okay, I'm going to listen and follow. That's why some of the the greatest players in history are not the ones that had the greatest skill. 
They just worked hard and listened, and they followed, and they disciplined themselves, and that is how they defeat the enemy. You see, if we want God to uh, uh, overcome the enemies of our life, we need to listen. Are you willing to listen to God, and are you willing to follow it? Are you willing to learn? There is a heart that, that has a desire to learn from God. God, I want to know how to do this, how to live my life. God, correct me. Please correct me. A coachable person is a person who wants correction because they know that correction is not discipline against them. Correction is the way to find uh, 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 honor and achievement in life. So these are the five areas that this is what Jesus is saying. If you will begin to live a life of treasuring, if you will begin to live a life of surrendering to God, if you will live a life of reliance on God, if you will live a life of release to God, and if you will live a life of following and learning from God, this is the prayer that is going to build your life. And, and as you begin to put these things into your life, in every area, you are going to grow. You're going to find uh, prosperity, not in prosperity of money, but prosperity of the soul, of, of your heart, of your emotions, because you will be in relationship with God. These build your relationship with God. And when you are in relationship with God, you can look at any circumstance and say, I don't care because I know God. You know what? Anything can happen, and it doesn't matter because I know God. We're like this. Me and God are tight. And if me and God are tight, there ain't nothing this world can do to me because I know that he is greater than all of it. And in the end, he has something laid up for me that cannot be taken away. And this is where he comes to this section that we read. He said, ask and it will be given. Knock and it will be opened. Seek and you will find. Because here's the key. You can have these things of relationship, but you have to want it. You see, when he says ask and knock and seek, he's not about talking about requests. He's not talking about getting what you want. He's talking about a heart that wants to know God. When he says ask, come to me and ask God, I want to know you more. God, what do you think about this? God, what's your idea on this? God, and when he says knock, it is coming and saying, God, show me. Open this up. And when he says seek, it's saying, God, I want to know more of you. This is a heart that wants to build a relationship with God, that wants God to respond. See, too many times we read that as a, as a way to uh, get what we want, that we just keep on asking. And, and like God is a, a a vending machine that if we just keep asking and pushing the buttons that he'll do it, just knock, keep knocking. Yes, that is a principle of perseverance, but it is meant to be a, a principle of the heart that there is such a desire that drives us to keep going, that we are hungry for God. And when you're hungry for God, you will continue and continue and continue to seek and to ask and to knock because a person like this, this is what God says. Is going to get good things from God because what father is not going to give his child, not a child who is just 
precocious and says, God, give me this. I want this. I want this. You see, that type of child who, after that while, know that the father's like, get up, get I'm tired of hearing it. You just keep asking the same thing. Like, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a father who has a child who says, Dad, can we go here together? Can you show me what you're doing? Can I be with you? Can I walk with you? That's the child that the father is going to give good things because there's a heart of wanting to walk in relationship with him. That's what Jesus is saying. So as we walk in relationship with God through prayer and begin to turn our prayer into a relationship with God, it develops this motive in where our life is built. Now, we close with this last statement. At the end of both parts of those, at the end of the Lord's Prayer and at the end of the uh, section that we looked at, knocking and seeking, he gave two kind of PSs. The first one, he said, P.S., you really got to forgive others, right? You really got to forgive others. He repeated that. You wonder, why did he repeat that again? Because God will not forgive you if you don't forgive others. And then at the end of the asking and knocking and seeking, he says, therefore, and it gives us what we all call the golden rule, therefore, do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. Now, those two addendums, we've turned it around for our good. In other words, we think it's something to do how to be successful for ourselves. So if I want people to do this to me, then I'm going to do it to them. And, and if I want God to forgive me, then I'm going to forgive people. Kind of a, a manipulation. Like if I do this, I get. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if God, if you have come into a relationship in these ways, then it's going to cause you to turn around and give out to others. So if God has brought you into a relationship where you have now been released from your sins, then you are able to turn and walk in relationship with others and release them into life. And if you have knocked and asked and seeked God and he has given you good things, then you are able, because of what you have been given, you are able to do unto others what you have received. So when we begin to walk in relationship with God, it always ends up with this picture of us then giving it out to others. There is no way that we can walk in relationship with God and not turn it around and begin to give out that same relationship to others, that we can begin to treasure others, that we can begin to walk in surrender to one another, that we are able to, to bring others into that same reliance and contentment that God has given us, that we are able to release them from those burdens as we bring them to God, that we are able even to give them the wisdom and, and the guidance of God. So we have got to not only walk in relationship with God, but then turn that around and be a blessing to others. Because as we walk in relationship with God, our house that we're building, this life that we're building, can become something that is not just a shelter for us. It is not just a pleasure for us, but it can be a place of stronghold for others. Is your life that you're building something where others can find shelter and hope? That's what God wants us to be, that it is not just for us, but that it becomes a blessing. It becomes a light. It becomes salt in this world.
that others may be blessed. And that gives us a different picture of the Lord's Prayer. This is the purpose of the Lord's Prayer, that we not only begin to say it, but we begin to live it, that it becomes the very blueprint of our life as we walk in relationship with God. Let's bow our hearts.